listeners, welcome to Milky Way Radio. I'm your host, Alex, and as always, I am here to bring you the news, get you thinking, and hopefully keep you entertained as we journey throughout the cosmos. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our news segment where I will be going over everything going on in our wonderful Milky Way. More specifically, the headlines for today. Going over everything would take hours, certainly a lot longer than the time that we have allotted, but you get the idea. Our first story of the day, Edu criminal kingpin Ava Marmorin has escaped from prison. Ava Marmorin, leader of the notorious Argosa cartel, was arrested six months ago after a coordinated raid on one of his estates. Along with Avamar, dozens of high-ranking members of his organization were captured, leading to hundreds of arrests across the system. It had seemed that the days of the Argosa cartel were over as he and many of his subordinates were tried, sentenced, and thrown into the Whitewater Maximum Security Prison on Sola 7. Things seemed well and done until yesterday when an unprecedented breakout operation was orchestrated in which a fleet of just under 200 ships broke through the blockade over Sola 7 that defended the prison planet. The fleet was primarily composed of retrofitted cargo ships led by a capital-class battlecruiser. It is currently unknown how the cartel managed to get a hold of a ship of that caliber, or even organize such a well-planned assault given that most of their leadership was imprisoned. Regardless, the battlecruiser certainly tipped the odds in their favor as the Whitewater facility had nothing capable of standing up to that level of firepower. Avamar and his crew were swiftly released from incarceration and were last spotted headed towards the Stellar Rift where they used cosmic interference prone to that area to cover their tracks. Their current whereabouts are unknown, and the Galactic Confederacy has dispatched the 17th Fleet to the Argosa system to apprehend them. If you have any potential information on the whereabouts of Avamar Morin or any members of his organization, please contact the 17th Fleet emergency hotline immediately. Moving on to our next story, on Mars in New Vatican City, the Reformed Catholic Church has just appointed a new pope. Pope Francis V has just taken office earlier today and is parading around the city, performing blessings, kissing babies, that sort of thing. Now, for any of our non-human listeners out there, you may be wondering, what is a pope? Well, a short history lesson is in order to put things into context. The Reformed Catholic Church is rooted all the way back to the Catholic Church, which was a religious organization that held considerable influence throughout human civilization and stretches back around 2600 years. The church held significant political power until their influence began to diminish around the 14th century. Fast forward to the 21st century, and they were more of a spiritual guide than a political power, but they still held considerable cultural influence, as they boasted a following of around 1.2 billion followers at that time. Around the late 22nd century, humanity achieved faster-than-light technology and realized we were not alone in the universe. This presented a rather big problem for the church, the reason being that the Bible, which is the holy doctrine that Catholics follow, didn't make any mention of life beyond earth. This rather important omission led to a crisis throughout the church, and long story short, the church as it was known for 2,000 years had come to an end. It splintered off into dozens of smaller organizations, most of which died off with the exception of two. The Reformed Catholic Church, which is the one that we're referring to today, and appointed the aforementioned Pope Francis V and the New Catholic Order. The New Catholic Order is unimportant for the story, however, as they were abandoned on Earth during the mass evacuations from Earth in the early 23rd century. The Reformed Catholic Church managed to hold on to a significant portion of the Church's followers following the schism, but entered into a period of steady decline in the following centuries. Today, their presence is limited to the human capital of Mars, with 2.3 million followers in the remote New Vatican City. 
If you are a Mars native, you may have seen them recruiting in some nearby cities such as Klamath around transportation hubs. Certainly a far cry from the glory days of old, and in the modern era, the election of a new pope isn't really a headline as much as it is a footnote, but I decided to cover it because our history is important, and I thought it was a fascinating little tidbit to cover. Moving on, Apexi Biotech, one of the leading companies in artificial intelligence and human augmentation research, is currently under investigation by the Alliance Federal Investigation Bureau for Illegal Human Experimentation. It appears that an anonymous whistleblower has leaked several terabytes worth of information on confidential research programs taking place in Apexi research stations in the Kepler system. From the analyzed information, it appears that Apexi Biotech has been performing experiments in which they have been attempting to merge human consciousness with an artificial intelligence program. The goal of the program was to allow a human user full control over an artificial intelligence program and allow us to benefit from it in a safe manner without the possibility of AI resistance. While a noble goal that might be, the methods used to achieve it violated countless ethics and AI research laws. As we all know, artificial intelligence research requires heavy government regulation and oversight, as well as permits from several ethics and regulatory boards, which Apexi Biotech lacks. Also, all of their experiments were performed on involuntary patients that were acquired through the black market, and to make things worse, the experimental procedure that they were testing had a survival rate of 5.6%. The remaining survivors left either brain dead or suffering from severe mental disabilities. Sadly, all that suffering was in vain, as the project was ultimately unsuccessful, as reports would indicate. It appears that not only did the various AI programs tested reject any form of human interface, they actively attempted to override control of the host body, which either resulted in death, or left the patient entirely brain dead and their decaying corpse underneath the control of a hostile AI. Apexy shares have plummeted since the leaks, and the CEO has been fired by the board of directors, and they are currently in the process of electing a new chief executive officer. So to any listeners who may have been considering performing illegal artificial intelligence research, consider this a cautionary tale. Now before we continue on to our next segment, I would like to take a moment to give you a word from our sponsors. Are you looking to make some extra money? Are you not bothered by needles or other invasive medical procedures? Would you like to make a difference in the galaxy by dedicating yourself to a greater good? If you answered yes or no to any of these questions, then you may be eligible to participate in a clinical trial for Apexi Biotech. Apexi Biotech is currently one of the leading companies in biotech and biomedical research, helping develop numerous advances in cybernetic implants, artificial intelligence, brain-computer interfaces, and other technologies. You can help make the galaxy a better place by helping us advance our research. We are currently accepting any and all volunteers for our various clinical trials and are offering twice the compensation than our competitors. If you are interested in applying as a volunteer subject for any of our research trials, contact Apexi Biotech today. On an unrelated note, Apexi Biotech is also hiring lawyers. If you have a background in galactic criminal law, also feel free to reach out to Apexi Biotech. The following message is from John Wells. Hello, my name is John Wells of Tempest Motors. My company offers higher quality goods and services for a lower price than my competitors. If this information interests you, then consider giving Tempest Motors your business. Thank you for your time. Have a nice day. Big thanks to our sponsors for helping make today's broadcast possible. For any new listeners out there not aware, every episode I like to pick a topic of interest to discuss to go over an idea I find interesting, teach you something new, 
or give you a bit of food for thought. Today's topic is on genetic modification, specifically, should we genetically modify humans? Why this topic in particular? Well, because it is the very same question that politicians in the Celestis system are trying to answer at the moment, and it has sparked quite a bit of controversy. You see, the Celestis system has, in recent years, been suffering from ever-declining birth rates, which makes them a bit of an outlier, since every other human territory's birth rate has been going nowhere but up. Celestis' birth rate is so low, in fact, that human deaths are outnumbering births, and if the situation isn't fixed soon, the whole system might become a ghost town. So the system's government has proposed mass artificial births as a solution. Now, typically the SSA does not permit the use of mass artificial human birth to avoid answering some uncomfortable questions, but they have made an exception in this particular case because all other methods of attempting to correct the situation have failed. Now, this is where our discussion topic comes in. As preparations are underway to begin the program, the question has been raised as to whether the human embryos that will be used for the program should be genetically modified. Why genetically modify human embryos, you might ask? Well, humanity has had a great deal of success in genetically modifying animals and plants to better suit our needs, so people are thinking why not give it a shot on humans. The idea is that if we can genetically modify these embryos to improve the next generation, why not do it? There is so much that can be done with genetic modification. We can prevent the spread of inherited medical conditions, make them resistant to disease, resistant to cancer. It doesn't even stop there. We have technology to alter so much more than just disease prevention alone. We can alter practically anything from physical appearance, gender, muscularity, and intelligence. The future could be teeming with super-attractive, intelligent, and diseaseless humans. Proponents of gene editing believe that Celestis could be just the beginning. If successful, this program could serve as a sort of test trial and would be the stepping stone to introducing similar programs in other regions. Genetic modification doesn't have to be done strictly in an artificial womb, either. Couples that wish to genetically alter their offspring can do so and have a natural birth. So why are some people not on board? Opponents of gene editing do have some valid points. One of these arguments against genetic modification for the purpose of preventing disease and inheritable conditions is that it isn't necessary to treat many medical conditions. Why modify someone's DNA to prevent HIV when a simple vaccine can do the same? Why tamper with someone's genes to prevent them from spreading an inherited medical condition when there are other options available? It is true that there are other methods of preventing the spread of inherited medical conditions, one of them being pre-implantation genetic diagnosis, which to sum up is the process in which vitro fertilization is used to create embryos. Said embryos are then tested to evaluate whether or not it contains any problematic genes, and a healthy embryo is selected to conceive a child, and the problematic embryos are destroyed, therefore allowing for the birth of a healthy child. The problem with this option and the other options available is that they're not 100% successful, and while the process can test for a large variety of conditions, it cannot test for them all, and there are many medical conditions that only begin to develop once their carriers have entered middle age. There are also plenty of medical conditions that cannot be treated through these methods, such as Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. So proponents of gene editing dismiss this argument because why waste time with procedures that can't do the job with complete certainty when we could simply eliminate any possibility of the condition manifesting itself entirely? Seems like a reasonable position, but one should also take into consideration the potential consequences of gene editing. 
You see, when we edit jeans, it's kind of like cutting bits out of a piece of paper and gluing a preferred piece of paper in the gap that is left behind. During this process, it is possible to accidentally cut a bit too much, a bit more than intended, leaving some unintentional genetic damage. Damage that can remain undetected by some commonly used methods to amplify and sequence DNA. This kind of damage can cause issues as the cells may attempt to fix this damage themselves, potentially doing more harm than good. There's also the risk of unintended mutations taking place after gene editing. During trials, a study was conducted to eliminate blindness in mice with gene editing, and while the blindness was cured, it resulted in over 1,500 genetic mutations. The mice didn't exhibit any problems due to these mutations, but off-target mutations should be taken seriously as they can and will be inherited by the next generation. And just because we can't identify any negative side effects right now, that does not mean that they are non-existent. More research is required to determine the full extent of what these mutations could cause. But let's say hypothetically that we could perfect gene editing and any potential side effects are no longer an issue. Then it becomes a question of what conditions we choose to treat. Disability rights activists are concerned that if genetically modifying humans becomes an acceptable practice, it will force us to categorize genes as good or bad traits, and this could lead to problems of discrimination against those with quote-unquote bad genes. Sure, we can all agree to get rid of things that nobody likes, like cancer or HIV, AIDS, neurological degenerative disorders, and so on. But the conversation gets a bit more tricky when it comes to conditions such as autism or Down syndrome. Many academics debate that these conditions, such as autism, should be considered an atypical pattern of development, such as left-handedness. Some people believe that suggesting that these conditions are something that needs to be cured is a problematic line of thinking. This leads to the argument that human gene editing could be seen as a form of eugenics. By creating a new generation of humans that are more genetically favorable than those born naturally, it could create a social imbalance. Critics argue that we only have to look back to our own history to see the horrors that eugenics programs can cause. Forced sterilizations, human rights violations, and mass murder were the results of trying to perfect humanity in the past. Why reopen that door again? It is a tricky question to deal with. Genetically modifying humanity opens up a world of possibilities. On the one hand, there is a diseaseless future where we could achieve near-perfect health, and on the other, we could end up in a future with some sort of dystopian genetic case system where the modified are viewed as superior to those that remain unmodified. What the future holds, we'll never know, but hopefully I have given you something to think about today, and maybe now that we're all a little more informed, we'll all be a little bit more ready to tackle these hard questions moving forward. Well, listeners, our time for today has come to an end, but just before the broadcast ends, I would like to leave you all with a little fun fact for the day. At the center of our galaxy, there are gas clouds composed of the same chemical compounds that give raspberries their distinct taste. So the center of our galaxy tastes like raspberries. As always, listeners, it has been a pleasure. And until next time, goodbye.